Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. My guest today on the podcast is Stephanie Hubach, and Steph is an author and a speaker, and she and her husband have two adult sons, the younger of whom has Down syndrome. And she has written several books that we're going to talk about in this episode, and her book, Same Lake, Different Boat, was one of the first books that we read early on as we were just starting out in disability ministry. The book was such a blessing to us, and her newest book, Parenting and Disabilities, Abiding in God's Presence is a beautiful 31-day devotional book for parents of children with special needs. And we will have all the links to her books in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. We had such a great conversation, and I know that you will love getting to know more about Steph and her family and her journey as a special needs mom. Hey, Steph, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We've not met yet, so I'm excited to get to hear more from you and get to meet you today on this episode. Thank you so much for having me, Becky. I'm really looking forward to this. Like uh, like we said, as we were warming up for this a little bit, it, it's really nice to at least meet each other, uh, you know, through Zoom and be exactly. able to uh, see each other face-to-face as we've uh, known about each other's ministries for a long time, so. Well, I, I've known about you, like, for a very long time because uh, you have been like, you have a book out that we're going to talk about later, but like you, that was the go-to book for us when we were looking at disability ministry. And so I've heard of you for years and I've read, you know, your books. And so I know a little bit about you, but would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners for maybe people who don't haven't heard of you and don't know about your amazing book. So tell us a little bit about you, where you live, about your family and all the, all the things we need to know. That'd be great. That'd be great. Thanks. Oh, my family lives in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, the home of the Amish, right? If you're yeah, not, I was going to say, wow. Yeah. With the East coast. So uh, our biggest uh, driving obstacles are buggies. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I have two adult sons, right? My husband, Fred, and I have two adult sons, uh, our son, son, oldest son, Fred is married at, to Cecilia and they live in Washington, DC. And have our granddaughter, Caroline, uh, and we always say we're over the moon for Caroline June. So we uh, are the best grandparents who are expecting, they're ex- we're expecting with them, right? No, exactly. <laughs> no, come on. They're yeah. twins this fall. Oh, so that's going to be the big, wow. uh, big excitement in our family. How and our, our younger son, Tim, is our son with Down syndrome. And he it lives at home with us in his own apartment at our house and he loves being uncle Tim. Right. Oh, so, so um, yeah, he works, Tim works full-time, well, no, not full-time. He works part-time at a local grocery store as the cart guy. So we, his nickname is cart man and uh, he's it. absolutely beloved by his customers. Right. And he works at a doctor's office one morning a week as well and plays in the praise band at church. So oh, my goodness, he has a very, full life. He loves his life and uh, we love him. He's, you know, can't imagine our lives without, without Tim. So. And, and you know, if you look back to those early days, you know, he's an adult now. What were those early days like for you? You know, when you're just finding out about the diagnosis, did you know when you were pregnant or did you find out at birth? And, And what were those early days like? Yeah, no, I didn't know when I was pregnant. I chose not to do the AFP test. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so, uh, Tim's diagnosis was uh, 
quite a surprise, yeah. right? At birth. Yeah. And uh, our best friends had uh, not one, but two kids that were born with disabilities. So uh, we had the blessing of really close friends who had walked this journey mm-hmm. in a different category, right? Right, <laughs> right. Disabilities, but, um, and that was just such a gift to us. Um, and, uh, and I think the things that were just so helpful uh, were just really trusting in God's sovereignty, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that God is great and God is good, yeah. right? So that this, none of this happened. Uh, Tim's uh, extra chromosome wasn't because God was asleep at the switch. Right, uh, right. That he had a good plan for Tim's life and for ours, right? And so stepping out in that, in faith, while actually grieving, not grieving mm-hmm. Tim's arrival, but grieving our massive change in expectations, yeah. right? Of where we thought we were going to be headed, right? Mm-hmm. With child number two, where we were yeah. actually uh, going to head. So Tim yeah. had a variety of different medical issues, as many kids with Downs do. So the first year we were in and out of the hospital quite frequently and entered just a whole different world, right? Yeah. And uh, parents who have kids with uh, complex medical diagnoses, um, I'm sure your son is included in yeah. that group, right? If you have seizure yeah. issues and right. It's just a whole, whole new world. It is a whole new world. And you know, when, if you look back, did it take you a while to get to that place of like seeing this is God's absolute best for us or did it, was that just a natural progression or did it, did it in time, did it just kind of take time to, to get to that place? I know for us, it took time. Like we had to process through and, we had to grieve and do all those things, but boy, there was such freedom when we finally got to this place of acceptance and going, okay, God, this is your, we don't get it. We don't necessarily like this, this is our story, but we accept that this is your story for us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think when you talk about the grief issues, and again, they're not about the child, they're about a change. Exactly. Pages, yeah. Right. I, I think if you think about the grief part of it, and I'll get to your acceptance question, right? No, you're good. Yeah. The grief part of it kind of ebbs and flows, right? So mm, I found totally. I went through this intense thing early on, you know, worked that through that uh in the in Tim's first couple of years, mm-hmm. right? And then uh kind of hit uh a much more adaptive, which I think would be part of acceptance, right? A much yeah. more adaptive yeah. kind of phase. And I wouldn't say, and I think this is different for different personalities too, right? Because mm-hmm. I wouldn't say my personality is naturally adaptive. Some people are just natural flexors. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's mm-hmm. the way I was wired. God had a good work to do in my life that way. But then when we hit puberty, for example, that was a that was a tough one. I mean, yeah. I I kind of did another nosedive for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, you know, coming through this process of realizing, you know, it's one thing to have this really cute little guy with Down yep. syndrome, right? Who everybody thinks is the cat's meow, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and and knowing that we were moving into a phase where I was that people would see Tim differently because he'd be someone who they saw as an adult with an intellectual disability mm-hmm. more than a cute little kid with Downs. Right. Yeah. And so um so I had kind of worked my way through that, mm-hmm. you know, we, my husband, uh, quasi retired a couple of years ago, he's running his own business now, but you know, now we're kind of entering into that phase and, and that there's a whole different level of that with adulthood and, and aging parents are kind of juggling all the pieces mm-hmm. to that. Right. And yeah. so, um, so I think, uh, a lot about acceptance is, uh, 
it is the time, right? Mm. Uh, and and I think God's okay with the time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> He's very yeah. patient with us, right? Because I think what happens when we rush people through the process of acceptance, uh, I think I have a little phrase in same like different book that says, uh, rush resolution results in resignation, mm. right? Resignation is a bad place to end up. That's a very different emotional and spiritual spot, mm. right? Yeah. And acceptance is. Um, yeah. uh, and so I know this adds a little bit. Of, I want to round the park on you on that question. <laughs> no, you're, it's so true, though, because I think so often uh, you do. It's a process. And for everybody, it's like you said, everyone's going to process through it differently. And uh, it may take some people longer than others. And yet we all know, all special experience know that that grief is going to come back up. Like you said, when you hit puberty, when you hit those other milestones, that it's a continual process of, of grieving those losses, those things that we thought were going to be and then are not. But um, I think as we get older, that that time frame, at least for me, the time frame of, of being in that deep sadness shortens. In, in, shortens. Of, yeah. And so that we're able to process through. And, but you know, it's like I said, uh, we talked a minute ago about your boat, your boat, your book. <laughs> There's a reason I said boat there, but but you have a boat too, so that's okay. We can talk about that. There you go. We can talk about that too. But your book that you wrote, Same Lake, Different Boat. And um, like I said, that was our first, probably one of the first books that we read uh, from the, the perspective of a parent of a child with a special need. And what a gift that was for us as we were starting out on this journey, as we were looking at starting Rising Above. And I love in your introduction, uh, you talk about that this book is a vision for the future, not about the pain of the past. And yeah. it's like letting parents, you talk about laughter and the importance of laughter and that your family loves to laugh. And so share a little bit about your heart behind this book, why you wanted to write this book. And then you've, you just were sharing with me a minute ago, you've updated the book and there's new chapters. So for anyone who maybe has read the book, in previous years, you have a whole new updated version. So share about the book and your heart behind it. It's kind of interesting. Sometimes people uh, uh, will ask me, oh, did you always want to be a writer? I always want to be an author. And I said, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was never in my, no? <laughs> it was never in my plan. And so, but I had, we were in the middle of doing a lot of disability ministry at our local church in order to try to figure out how to uh, think through some of the issues associated with making the gospel more accessible to mm-hmm. people with disabilities and their families, right? So that we could be more instrumental in our denomination. That was kind of our, what we felt like it was our calling. And so um, in the process of just doing that, I just kept answering questions for people. And finally, I just had enough people pester me that you need to write some of this down that I wrote it. And I thought, well, I don't know how to write a book. Right? <laughs> you did so, a really good job. So. I didn't know how to write an essay. So I thought, well, if I can write an essay, and I'll trust God to pull the pieces together across the, <laughs> across the chapter. So um, anyway, but at my heart in doing it was really to see, uh, to, to really see what I just said earlier, which became our ministry logo when I worked for the Presbyterian Church in America, which was uh, uh, making the gospel, the good news of the coming of Christ's kingdom accessible to all in word and deed, mm-hmm. right? To see... Um, to see the good news of God's saving grace to be accessible to everybody, right? Um, because we don't realize the extent to which Christ went 
to make a relationship to the father accessible to us, Mm -hmm. right. Then we don't really understand uh, God's grace. Right. And, and we do, then we really realize what a relatively small amount of sacrifice or adjustments that takes Mm -hmm. right for us to do the same thing for others. Right. And so, and learning how to rethink how we do church in a way, one of the chapters I have, and I know we'll talk about the devotional later. One of the chapters I talk about in the devotional is this idea that you don't have to fit in to belong, right? Mm. That, that uh, if you're already, if you belong to the body of Christ, you belong to the body of Christ, right? Mm. And so um, uh, you don't have to fit in to belong. It's the church's role to really continually look at how do we do church in a way that really honors all the members of the body, right? And Paul talks a lot about that in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, right? And you kind of get that picture of of the uh, just the necessity of the variety of mm-hmm. the of the body parts, even the ones that we would think are uh, less honorable, right, or or less valuable that God sees them as highly valuable, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and again, the the whole issue being our perspective of of other people, not the person themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's our perspective that has to change. So actually, I wrote the book to try to be a gospel centered perspective changer, right? Yeah. And, and that's you, and you have, I mean, that's, like I said, that was for us so life-giving to us to read um, of another family and hear the stories and uh, just to know that, you know, I think we, we were talking earlier, just you and I personally, before we got on here about, you know, our kids and that they, God has created them to have a role and a purpose in his kingdom, just like us. You know, they, yeah. they have things to do just like we do. And I think it's so easy to sometimes forget that. And so pointing that out, and that's, that's some of the things I love about your second book, your devotional book, um, is looking at some of those things at a deeper, the deeper level. And so your second book that you have out, I'm going to get, I'm going to pull it up here because I want to get the title right, but it's Parenting and Disabilities, Abiding in God's Presence. And it's a 31-day devotional um, to walk through families. And it's beautiful. I love how it's laid out. You've got um, scripture and a devotional thought and then reflections and then an act, like something that for us to put into practice. And, um, but I love what you wrote. You said, parents don't need another how-to book. We need a who-to book. So explain that. What do you mean by that? So it's, you know, as you well know, as a parent of a child with a disability, right, we're, we're uh, always either seeking or being taught different Mm -hmm. methods for, right. Methods for behavior management, methods for getting resources, right. Methods for connecting, which are all well and good. They, the how-to part, Mm -hmm. you couldn't do this world without the how-to part, but this, but the, the most central piece, right. To doing life it for any reason, right. Is the who-to part, right. Mm -hmm. To whom do we go, right. Where, where is the absolute center of our existence, right? Mm-hmm. Where is it, where's the power source, the fuel, right, of our lives? Where does the the focus, right, mm-hmm. uh, of where we set our sights, uh, you know, every day and throughout the day, is it God himself, right? Or is it all these other things? And I think, so the whole point of the book is to drive, try to drive us back to God in Christ, right? Yeah. And, and just really say, well, you know, it's so easy to get, again, distracted, 
not in not that those things aren't appropriate, but into all the activities of caring for a child mm-hmm. with a disability uh, that we forget that God is truly present with us, right? And that we can lean into that. We can abide in that mm-hmm. because it is, if you step back and look at scripture, it is the overarching theme of scripture from Genesis to Revelation, right? Is, is the idea of Emmanuel, God with God us. God with us, right? right. Yeah. And that's the most important thing we can, as parents, you know, all, like you said, the therapies and the books and the how-to, that's all, those are important part pieces of this game, of the thing that we, this journey that we've been called to, but it's the abiding, it's the allowing God to lead us. That's truly going to be the only thing that's going to get us through Mm -hmm. Um, and and allowing him. How have you seen this play out in your life as Mm. you've raised your son? Um, how you've seen that abiding um, play out in your journey, in your story, as you've raised your son? That's a really good question. I think um, in some really, you know, everybody's wired differently, right? So mm-hmm. I think in, yeah. in terms of how I, in in working on this book, for example, and, and how I really came to see what that theme looked like across scripture, Right. And this will, I don't mean this to sound too esoteric, right? I just, but I mean, and then to just see how that drilled down into these really practical ways, right? Mm-hmm. So, so for, let me just give you an example out of the book and then I could give you an example. I don't yeah. know what's that. So that, you know, I have all these different areas where I talk about um, different gifts of God's presence, right? And I start out with the first one. If you look at this from Genesis all the way to Revelation, right? That the beginning and creation, that's the gift of unearned value, right? So that whole section to talk about things like image bearing, right? And um, the idea that uh, uh, every person has agency, that we have nothing to prove, all those things on a really practical level, right? When I understand that God is God is with me as an mm-hmm. image bearer, right? And he's with my son as an image bearer. And that's what gives him dignity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give him dignity that he's got a job. It doesn't, there's, it's Beautiful. nice that he has a job and I'm, and I'm glad it's an expression of his gifts, right? But it's not the core. It's not the core of his dignity. It's not the core of his identity. The core of his identity is exactly the same <laughs> as yours and mine is that he is an image bearer of the living God, right? That that's like a huge, that's such a huge, huge. thing to get our heads yeah. around that. Yeah. Um, and it changes everything about the trajectory of where we go from there. Mm. Right. Um, and, and again, that may sound, I'm trying to think if I can drill that down. It, 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 okay, it, it helps in a thousand ways, right? So let's say that you were in uh, Walmart. And let's say I was in Walmart when Tim was younger, right? And he was, uh, was uh, 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 just having an emotional kind of meltdown or something, right? Regardless of the looks I might be getting, of looks of judgment from other parents or staff people there, right? Mm-hmm. If I can remember that my son is an image bearer of the living God who may not be reflecting God's character incredibly well in the moment, right? right? <laughs> but it's still, but none still of us there, do, right? Yeah. That's the whole yeah. point. None of us yeah. do, right? Right. And so, uh, and and that I, and that I'm an image bearer of the living God, right? So I have, and that we have nothing to prove about our values. I don't mm-hmm. have to prove that I'm the perfect parent. I don't have to prove that my kid has the perfect social skills, yeah. right? I mean, and I don't have to prove any of that. And so there's a freedom that comes with yeah. that because the, that that solid steel core of identity 
is in is that God has chosen, knowing what we do with it, right? <laughs> has chosen to give us his 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 identity, right? His image, right? As as the very thing that centers us, right? In terms of how we view ourselves, how we view our role in the world, what we view as important in the world, right? Um, and so uh, I don't. That's one just tiny sliver yeah. example. That's beautiful. And you know, when I was thinking about as you were talking about that, like you were talking about your son um, has a job and he he works at a grocery store and is the bagger, you know, or the the cart guy right. at the grocery store. And so just the interactions that he has with other people. Um, the, that is such a beautiful example of an image bearer. You know, he's, he's out there, he's doing his thing. He's not, he's not uh, worried about all the things that we're worried about in that a wonderful thing. I, I sometimes would love to be in my son's world where I don't have to worry about those kinds of things, but have you seen him play that out? I mean, I'm sure you've instilled that in him, you know, if you, that, that he is an image bearer and how does he then, play that out in his life when in all the different jobs that he has and the things that he does. Sure. No, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I, I, both my husband and I enjoy sometimes just kind of rolling into the grocery store mm-hmm. lot and parking near the back and watching oh, wow. interaction with his customers. Yeah. And, and one of the most, one of the most heartwarming ones has to do with his relationships with elderly customers, Mm. right? He's got a real soft spot, right? For the elderly customer. And you can tell that a lot of them have a soft spot for him, right? So you'll see them put their arm around him and talk to him, you know, you know that they, that they, that they just know him, right? He's like, he's a very familiar face in their life. They know they can rely on him. He'll he'll be polite. He'll he'll help them carry their groceries to put them in the car, right? He and and he also has this incredible um, uh, desire to to just really do his job with excellence, right? So he so he won't let a customer go anywhere in that parking lot with calling out, "Welcome to Martin's," right? Oh, so <laughs> and, sweet. You know, and I think people feel truly. They feel noticed, mm-hmm. right? They feel valued. They feel loved. They feel cared about. And and so I think while I may have taught Tim what it means to be an image bearer, I think Tim regularly teaches me mm. how to be an image bearer, right? <laughs> yes. I know exactly what you mean. Yes. Yeah. And don't our kids, I mean, they're the best teachers. I learned so much from my son who is nonverbal. He teaches yeah. me every day every yes. day. And uh, it's just such a beautiful thing. And one of the, one of the, the um, devotionals that I love was when you were talking about, I think it's uh, day 29 and mm-hmm. you're, you're writing about Tim and you're talking about, he has an apartment in the downstairs and that you can hear him praying that he loves to pray. And you talk about him praying for his brother and yeah. uh, share about his prayer life, because I think so often you know, even my son, who's nonverbal, he loves to pray. This morning, as I'm walking out the door, uh, I was leaving with a new caregiver today. Mom's a little nervous, you know, and I'm and I'm like, we were praying, and and he, whenever he's praying, his he has a he'll say ah, uh, which means yes or means more, or it's kind of his affirmative answer. And so I'm praying, and he's like ah. Uh. He's agreeing and he's he's praying right along with me. And I, you know, people might look at my son and go, but he's nonverbal. He doesn't know how to pray. Oh, yes, he does. And yeah. so 
Talk about your son and his prayer life and how that has been impactful for you and the other people that witnessed that. Can I say something about your son first? Sure. I was just, I was just going to say, I love that because you know how the scripture talks about how the Holy Spirit interprets Mm. our groanings, right? Um, Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to lose it right here. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. That's beautiful. Yeah. Keep going. (laughs) For the nonverbal. Yeah. Right. We have no idea what the depth of communion of the Holy Spirit Mm. with that individual is. Uh, So we ought not ever minimize that, right? Because you have written <laughs> how much oh. more it may be than us. And totally. we are promised by God that the Holy Spirit can inter- can and will interpret our groanings, mm-hmm. right? And the first time somebody used that with me personally was when Tim was in the hospital with bacterial spinal meningitis and was on his deathbed as a baby. And I uh and I just I told the guy, it was a friend from church, I can't even pray. He said, You don't have to. God will the Holy Spirit will interpret your groanings. But I think the same thing is true for people who are not able to communicate verbally right with us there's no limit right to them communicating Mm. with that so and vice versa yes i could not agree more yeah Yeah. so about tim uh i i i just i i am constantly amazed at tim's prayer life and it puts mine to shame right yeah (laughs) i mean because he will let his dinner get cold every day of the week right because to him that's when he sits down and he will pray for the needs of friends, family, anybody at church, right? And uh, and and heartfelt, sincere prayers, right? And so um, it's just a beautiful thing. And, and and Tim's Tim has this very unvarnished faith, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he authentically he. Here's the whole thing, right? We have to tell each other how to abide in God's presence. <laughs> our, our son's already natural. They already know how. Exactly. <laughs> we, need, we need books to teach us how, and they right. already know how. Yeah. Right. right. And so, right, because they, because his, his faith is much uh, more unhindered, mm-hmm. right? His faith is purer yeah. than mine. Um he doesn't have to remind himself that God is great and God is good, right? He, it seems to intrinsically rely on that without fail. Right. And, and so (laughs) again, I say, he's just, he's just puts me to shame and it's just, his prayers are beautiful. Um, And, and the things that he notices about, in the lives of other people that I'll hear him praying about, mm-hmm. right? That I don't even realize that he's even thinking about that, wow. right? Wow. So that's I think in this in the book I told the story about how my son Freddie was was taking one of his uh, financial planning license exams, right? And and Timmy had prayed, well, dear Lord, please let Fred pass, but if he doesn't, we know that your love is the grand prize, right? And so I, even his theology, right? That's the way he thinks about God. <laughs> So beautiful. So beautiful. I loved that. And so, yes, you need to get this book because it will walk you through and and, and these beautiful examples of God guiding us. I love the end you talk about um, parenting a child with special needs can be so isolating. Mm -hmm. I I deal with that a lot on the weekends when it's just John Alex and myself and you know, like I went all day Saturday and they didn't have a conversation with anybody other than John Alex. I mean, that's that's a norm for us a lot of times. 
but you talk about, but God is with us. Emmanuel, you you mentioned that earlier. God is with us. And so why is that so important for us as parents hmm. to get that deep down in our hearts that, that God is with us? Because I think he, I mean, this, and again, you know, as believers, this can sound trite to somebody who has not experienced the transforming love of God to the grace of Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but he really is the answer, right? He really is everything. Yeah. He really is the center and the end run. Right. I mean, of all things. And so, so when, like you said, even when you have a day where you may not hear from another parent, another family member, you may be spending the day talking with your nonverbal son, right? God is literally present there. Mm-hmm. With you. you are not alone, right? right? And if you lose, as you know, from your experience, and I, I have other friends who have lost their spouses, right? You lose your spouse, you are not alone. As lonely yeah. as that experience is, you're yeah. not ultimately alone, uh-huh. right? And, um, and so I think it, re, not just remembering that in our minds, but learning, how do I experience this? And this is part of what I read the book for, right? For that devotional. How mm-hmm. do I experience the presence of God by recognizing it in all these little mm-hmm. places of life yeah. so that I actually realize it existentially, right? Mm-hmm. I am not alone yeah. in some hopeless kind of way. I am mm-hmm. literally never alone and and that ultimately and this is a beauty of the end of the devotion right which takes us all the way to revelation right where there's no more crying no more tears mm-hmm. and we are favorite. ultimately dwelling with god right mm-hmm. that, that that god dwells with his people right and so it it will be face to face uh and, and so um yeah can't wait just, i cannot wait yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Right. So it it will be glorious. It yeah. will be glorious. But but it's not nothing until then. Right. Correct. Right. The very same God is very Still here. much present mm-hmm. with us right now. Yeah. And and I think if we can grasp that mm-hmm. and get, then on those dark and hard days, because they're going to come, we all are going to have the dark and hard days in this journey. And but that reminder of like, no, God, you are here. You, I am not alone. And and saying that, I mean, like I will often just say that out loud over and over again. You know, you are here. The world maybe looks like it's going crazy right now, but you are still in control. You are still in charge. And just for, for you know, almost speaking to ourselves, those truths, those facts, those things that are that are true things of God never leaving us, never forsaking us, that having his word so deep in our hearts that when those moments hit, we can have that at the ready to, to remind ourselves of his truth. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you are a research fellow in disability ministry. That's a big title, research fellow in disability ministry. So tell us a little bit about that and why you're so passionate about disability ministry, about helping churches come alongside and, and help our families on this journey. Hmm. Well, yeah, don't be intimidated by the title. They had to call me something. <laughs> yes. <right? And> so, <laughs> yeah. since I'm so big. Yeah. Since it's a seminary, right? We had yeah. to title. No, yeah. I, 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 I actually have, I may have the world's best job, right? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> in that I, I get to do a variety of things. I, I, I work part-time, right? But I, I, uh, 
work for Covenant Theological Seminary and with them. And basically, uh, I'm able to move in a lot of different directions, right? So one of the primary things I do is uh, networking with disability ministry leaders, right? And encouraging them in their journey. I, I work directly with um, uh, students at the seminary and, and professors, right? In terms of uh, trying to integrate disability ministry content into specific seminary disciplines. So for example, Christian education track, they read my book, right? As part of the, the Christian education uh, curriculum in order to say, well, uh, how do, how are we going to incorporate and, and best minister to students who have disabilities, right? Mm. I, I work with the counseling department, right? The same way I've, uh, and, and I don't teach a separate class. I, I am in, they decided the best way to do it is to do it is to embed me in multiple classes where you get the broadest exposure. There you go. Yeah. Seminary students, right? So I've also done apologetics and outreach, been involved in those classes, uh, which is more, right, the uh, um, foundations of why we believe what we believe and how we speak into culture, right? With yes. that. So, yeah. and disability culture, one example of that, right? So, um, the other thing, uh, I go on, on the campus. I live in Pennsylvania, but the campus is in St. Louis, right? Okay. So I go out for a week a year and I speak in chapel and I offer a ministry lunch, which I always follow with a long Q&A, which is really fun to do because students have a lot of really good mm. questions, right? Yeah. I hang out in the student center all week and have these conversations with these up and coming, you know, pastors and counselors and Christian ed leaders. And it's just, it's a great it's a great experience. And and the other big thing, I do a lot of writing, right? Yeah. I, so the books, I, I, I write for a lot of uh, blogs. I've, I write for the Gospel Coalition and for uh, By Faith Magazine this year as well. So you were busy and also, you know, taking, helping with your son and all those things. And we will be sure to put the links to your books for sure in the show notes. So our families can check them out. And, you know, our theme this year at Rising Above is restoration. And so we're looking at ways that we can allow God to bring restoration into our lives. So what now, what are some things that you're doing that where God is bringing restoration into your life? That, that's a really good question. I, I was discussing this with my husband this morning because I knew you all were going to ask me this question. Yeah. I said, I think one of the biggest ways, things that has helped me, um, and this will again sound so simple that how could anybody <laughs> it's just remembering that I'm not God that he is. Yeah, that's that's huge. What are you talking about? That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so remembering that I'm a finite human being. So I mm-hmm. while I can as there are a lot of moving parts in our life at this point, at this age, the age that, that that my husband and I are, and um, and how can I love the people to whom I have responsibilities well. Yes. Without necessarily feeling responsible for outcomes. Right. And so to embracing finiteness because God already has a plan. He right. Yeah. He will very faithfully execute it with or without assistance. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I hear you. And, and, yeah. so, uh, and, and then in the same vein of finiteness, then recognizing that we're, this is like part two to that question is that we're integrated persons of body and soul, right? So it's so easy as Christians. Sometimes we we separate those things like, well, the soul's important, the body's not, right? But that's very, that's actually a very Gnostic way of thinking about, about humanity, that a really biblically centered view says, well, you know, we're integrated people of body and soul. And so 
it's it's important to have my quiet time. That's a very important thing to do. And I don't do it as often as I as I ought. And Tim is a good example to me that way, right? So I do need to have my spiritual right uh, food, so to right. speak. Right? I also need exercise, right? I also need to live at a healthy weight and and eat reasonably, right? And so I need to I need to live within my limits so that I can live in a healthy mm-hmm. way. And yeah. sometimes that means trusting God with more, <laughs> right? And holding on to less. So that yeah. would be, I, and now I don't know if that really fits the quality of restoration, totally. but I think it is. I think it's actually the heart of restoration because the more I find myself white knuckling mm-hmm. life, right? Yes. I, I Both my hands and my heart and, mm-hmm. and my very spirit is not open to restoration, yeah. right? Yeah. And so- um, that would be, that would be my, my answer for where I am right now. That's great. Love that. And yeah, the, the white knuckle, I think so often that as especially as parents, we want to hold things so, so tightly and feel like we're in control. And if we are in control, then everything is safe and good, which is actually a lie. <laughs> we can release it and just trust God. Yeah, uh, It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you sharing part of your story with us and sharing your insight and Check out these books, listeners, because they are great and um, just such a great way to help guide parents as they're starting this journey, as they've been on this journey for a long time, especially the devotional book, just refocusing on manual. God is with us, abiding with God, all, all of those things. So Stephanie, thank you so much for your time and being with us today on the podcast. Thank you so much for really the on, honestly deep privilege of doing this. I, I really consider it honored to be asked to do this. Thank you very much. And God bless you in your work, Becky. And God bless you in your, in your life with your son as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.